Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Aren't you glad to be in an apostolic Pentecostal church this morning? Amen. We have taught the NFL officials how to show us success. They go like this. They worship. That means the kick is good. It's a touchdown. Something good has happened. We taught them that. The apostolic Pentecostals taught them that. Deuteronomy chapter 17 and Revelations chapter 12. Those are the two. I'll only read three verses in your hearing this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 17 and verse 6. At the mouth of two witnesses or three witnesses shall he that is worthy of death be put to death, but at the mouth of one witness he shall not be put to death. And then Revelations chapter 12 and verse 10. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now is salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them before God day and night. Do you know that the enemy is accusing you day and night of your sin and your fault? But they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. And I'm gonna talk to you today for a few minutes on this subject, the God who fills and thrills. The God who fills and thrills. God bless you, you may be seated. I've been working on this message for a number of weeks and I'm really excited about being able to share it with you today. But it is not gonna be the traditional preaching message. It's gonna be preaching, a combination of both teaching and preaching. One of the things that the five-fold ministry of Ephesians talks about that the ministry is supposed to do is supposed to equip you. We are supposed to make sure that you have the tools to get the job done. Not just so that you can be successful in your walk with God, but that you, so that you can make disciples, so that you can have an answer for the hope that lies in you. One of the things that happened on our vacation was I had a man say to me, it was the middle of the night, we were at a uh, rest area, and this guy must have been cleaning the bathrooms, and he saw me walk by, and he came out, and he said, sir, have you accepted Jesus? I said, yes, I have. I have a question for you. Has he accepted you? Are you sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise? Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? See, believing is just the beginning. And believing demands a response. And believing demands an action. Can I get an amen? Amen. Demands action. You just can't say you believe. If believing is all it takes to save you, then the devil will spend eternity in heaven because he believes. James said the demons believe and they tremble. It'll do what's right. 
So here today, I want to talk to you about the importance of having at least three witnesses in your life. Three witnesses in your life. Now, the scripture I read in Deuteronomy said it must be two or three. So when someone says to you, I believe in my heart of hearts that I am saved, they're saying, that's my witness. That's what I base my salvation on, what I feel in my heart. But I want to warn you, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And then the Lord answers the question, I, the Lord, the only one that really knows your heart is God himself. You don't even know your own heart. But you have to have at least three witnesses to either be condemned or to be saved. So I'm gonna offer you a few witnesses according to the scripture, and I've asked Brother Matson if he would be my reader. So Brother Matson, if you'd read Romans chapter two, 14 through 16. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these, having not the law, are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience, also bearing witness, and their thoughts the mean while accusing or else excusing one another. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. So the first witness we all have is a conscience. I don't care what color you are, I don't care what country you live in, you all have a conscience, thanks to Adam and Eve. You have a conscience, and that conscience, even if you never read one word in the Bible, will convict you, or it will save you. It will warn you, it will instruct you, and it will guide you. So the first witness is your conscience. Let's take a look at John 5.39. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life and they are they which testify of me. The witness is the word. The word of God is the witness. Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Again, the word of God. John 12 and 48. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken the same shall judge him in the last day. So the second witness is the word of God. We need to trust exclusively in the word of God. Now everybody ought to be able to say amen to that. Because that's the one thing that's not going to change. And Jesus warned us on several occasions to trust his word. Does your salvation match the word of God? Is it parallel to what the word of God instructs? And here's a third witness. The third witness are preachers and pastors. Romans chapter 10. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace 
and bring glad tidings of good things. But they that have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We need to be under the preached and taught word of God. I'm not talking about a person. I'm talking about a position. Everybody needs a pastor. Pastors need pastors. Everybody needs to be accountable to somebody. I remember Brother Grant from Madison saying one time, never follow anyone who is not under authority. They are dangerous. Everybody needs authority. Everybody needs instruction. Everybody needs a five-fold ministry. Everybody needs to gather as the body to be ministered to. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And every time you get under the preached word of God, it should increase your faith. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. 1 Corinthians 1 and 21. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Now some people will say preaching is foolishness and Paul is making a a mockery of this here. That foolishness is the vehicle by which God saves. You need a preacher. A preacher is a reacher. He's trying to pull you from the pit. That's why it's a pulpit. But he's reaching for your soul. He's trying to inspire you to get a hold of God, to make things right with God on a regular basis. Not just a once in a, well, one day I accepted Jesus, one day I came to the altar, one day I spoke in tongues, one day I was baptized, one day my sins were remitted. No, Paul said, I die daily. We need to walk with God every day. I don't care if you've walked with God 40 or 50 or 60 years, you gotta walk with him one more day, one more day. You need to be in the house of of God one more time. You need to hear the word of God preached one more time. When John the Baptist brought a message to Jesus, he said, are you the one that we should seek or should we seek for another? And Jesus said to him, you go tell John again. We need to hear this message again. And I pray you never get tired of hearing an apostolic message. I pray you never get tired of hearing about being born again of water and spirit. I pray you never get selfish and say the service didn't match what I wanted it to be, but you're thinking about what's best for the body, not just the believers, but even the unbelievers that are with us. Somebody said amen. We ought to have unbelievers with us every service. And you tell them to come just as they are, but we're believing they won't leave as they came. You remember that? Amen, that's right. Amen. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Obey them that have rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. I remind you again, the pastor is an office. It's a position. It's not a person. So I'm not 
asking you to consider this verse of scripture because I'm Rick Kiley and I'm the pastor. No matter who the pastor would be, that pastor has to give an account. He becomes a witness. Aren't you glad you're not a pastor? You don't have to give account for everybody around you, but the pastor, he's gonna have to give an account for you. And the word of God instructs us that it, it hopes that it will be favorable. So those are at least three witnesses. Again, they are your conscience, the word of God, and the ministry. They are all witnesses. I was born December 27, 1950 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. There were doctors and nurses my parents were there, especially my mother. They are my witnesses. I have a birth certificate. I am registered at Milwaukee County Courthouse as being birthed in Milwaukee. Does anybody know where I'm going with this? One does. Where are your witnesses to your new birth experience? Is your name registered in the courthouse of heaven? Is it on file? Are you sure that you have been born of the water and of the spirit? You need a witness. Luke 10, 19 and 20. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Is anybody willing to rejoice because your name is written in heaven? Oh, we can talk about the enemy and spiritual warfare and and difficulties and problems uh, and struggles that we have in this world. But I'll tell you what I'm most excited about. My name is written down in glory. I am a registered citizen. I am not an alien. I am a natural citizen. I hope you've got a birth certificate It is required for citizenship. Come on now. That ought to excite you. When you get all bogged down with all this junk that goes on, I hope you're not watching too much of the news. It's so depressing. But remember this. One day, I'll fly away. I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. To my home on God's celestial shore, I will fly away. Let me make sure that you understand, I'll be quick for those of you that have been here a long time. John the Baptist began, we read it today in our bread during prayer, Matthew 3.11. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. 
he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So John the Baptist preached repentance, and he wasn't polite about it. And he certainly was not politically correct. You're all a bunch of sinners, and God is about to lay the axe to the tree and cut you down and throw you into the fire for the way that you're living is wrong. How many people like to hear that kind of preaching? But that's what he preached. And when he preached it, they said, what do you want us to do? What should we do? We read about it today, brother. I will read it in the scripture for us today. Soldiers, what do you want us to do? Publicans, what do you want us to do? Wealthy, what do you want us to do? They were convicted by their conscience when John was preaching to them. And they would come to him repenting sorrowful for their sins and willing to change their lives. That's the first witness in the plan of salvation. It's John the Baptist. Let's take a look at the second witness. John chapter three and verse three. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? How can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I said unto you, Except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. This is mandatory, folks. This is not optional. You must, he said. Not you should. Not let me recommend an idea to you. You must or you can't. How many people want to go to heaven today? Then you must be born again of the water and of the spirit or you cannot enter in. And your fleshly birth will not fulfill the requirements of the new birth of the New Testament. Let's take a look at the third witness. We have John, we have Jesus. Let's take a look at Peter. And let me share something with you. This is what I believe. I believe that Peter bundled what John and Jesus taught. He didn't come up with a new doctrine. He had the keys to the kingdom of heaven, but he bundled their messages. Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4, please. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Do you see how he bundled the message? He included John, repentance. He included Jesus, born of the water and of the spirit. And the fulfillment of what John prophesied was when they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and spoke in other tongues as the spirit with a capital S gave them the utterance, not the spirit with a small s. We're not teaching people to speak in tongues in this church. 
Now just say Abba, Baba, Baba and talk like a baby. That is not receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You're not trusting God to fill people with the Holy Ghost. You can't give the Holy Ghost to anybody. But they spake in tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. 38 and 39, please. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Do you see the new birth in this message? Do you see it? Repent. Amen. Be baptized. That's water birth. In the name. He's very specific about it. He didn't just say be baptized. He said be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And he tells you why. For the remission of sins. And if you do these two things, you shall. I promise. God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. And not only you on 33 AD, but to your children, to those that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. This is a perpetual promise for all generations. And it is the filling and it is the thrilling of the Holy Ghost that changes people's lives it's better than winning the Super Bowl it's better than winning the lottery it's better than being famous somebody ought to be able to say amen Amen. there ain't nothing like receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost he'll fill you he'll thrill you he'll change you he'll empower you he'll walk with you you'll know him personally It's the beginning of a relationship. And there isn't anything greater this side of heaven than being filled with the Holy Ghost. Somebody say amen. Amen. And so it disturbs me to have to address this issue. And I will say this before I get real tough because I feel I need to be tough on this subject. I am not talking about a church or a religion. I am talking about a doctrine. Everybody said doctrine. Doctrine. If the infilling of the Holy Ghost and the thrilling of God's Spirit is so wonderful, and if the evidence of receiving the Holy Ghost is speaking in other tongues, I am very, very concerned about people that would ever say, speaking in tongues is of the devil. Amen. That's good. Matthew chapter 12, 31 through 32, please. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. This is the one sin 
that is unpardonable. God will not forgive this sin. Not only on earth, but he will not forgive it in heaven either. And I'm going to tell you why he won't. Because it is the greatest that he has to offer you. And came at the supreme expense of his own life. So that he could one day live in you and be relational with you. And for you to slap his face and say that what you have received, even though it has witnesses in the scripture, is of the devil, is unpardonable with God. I don't expect you to shout hallelujah and say thanks for preaching it, Brother Kylie. But I'm telling you, this is one, when somebody ever says this to you, you better put your hand up like this and say, whoa, stop right there. I'm warning you. There's one thing that God won't forgive. You better be careful about what you say in the next few moments. I'm warning you. Because it's unpardonable. It's unforgivable. I'm gonna tell you why people have such a hard time with speaking in other tongues. Because we fear two things. We fear change and we fear what we don't control. That's what stops us from serving God at different levels. What's it gonna cost me? What kind of changes would I have to make with my life? I don't know that I can trust anyone but myself, so I fear change and I fear what I can't control. And I've seen it. I, I guess I'm talking from experience. I feared change. I remember the first time I came to a Pentecostal church and I saw you guys worshiping and smiling and so happy and all that. And I said, man, I, I could never be like that. You know what the Lord told me? He said, you are when you watch a football game. You know how to clap then. You know how to shout then. You know how to get excited then. But to do that to God when you've been taught all your life that silence is reverence? Silence is not reverence. Silence is rebellion. Jesus said, if, the, if I tell them to, to hold their tongue, the stones are immediately gonna cry out. Amen. It's rebellion. I'm gonna give the Lord the highest praise. I'm gonna worship God in spirit and in truth. He's worthy of it. He deserves it. He's earned it. He's faithful, he's true, he's just. I can't think of anybody that deserves more than what I can give him, but he does. And we're so afraid that, that we're gonna give, listen, I, I'm just being honest with you, this is off script, okay? I lost all my friends when I became a Christian. And you know what I discovered? They weren't really my friends anyhow. They were my friends if I was buying. They were my friends in good times, but if I had any problems, that's your problem. That's not a friend. A friend sticks closer than a brother. A friend is born for adversity. Is that what the scripture says? Somebody say amen. amen. 
A brother is born for adversity. I got more friends now than I ever had. And they're good friends. They're not perfect, but neither am I. Somebody say amen. Come on now, be honest. You got more friends than you ever had in the world. And you, these people will back you up. They'll pray with you at an altar. They'll encourage you when you're going through tough times. We're the body of Christ. What a, what a fill and what a thrill to be a part of the kingdom of God and the family of God. And to know that we're in this thing together. I got your back and you got my back. And there's not gonna be a knife in it either. We're gonna be back to back. We're gonna watch out for one another. I'm so glad to be a part of the family of God. But we're afraid of change. And we're afraid of what we don't control. Do you know what the most unruly member in your body is? This thing right here. Nothing gets you in more trouble. And that's why, this is my opinion, it's not doctrine, but in my opinion, that's why I believe God chose speaking in other tongues because it is the last member of your body to yield unto God. I trust you. I'm ready for change. I don't want to be in control anymore. And when those things happen and you've obeyed God and his witnesses, God can fill you and you can begin to speak in a language you've never learned. Good preaching, Pastor. Thank you very much, I know. Fearing what we can't control. But back to this group that says speaking in tongues is of the devil. I have one more thing for your consideration. I want you, I know it's impossible, but do your best. I want you to be a bystander and be God for just a moment. And I want you to picture what I'm about to say. A person that has lived in sin all of their life comes to an altar, gets down on their knees, begins to cry and weep and confess their sins to God, declaring that they are powerless over their addictions and their sins and casting themselves on God's mercy and forgiveness and praying for God's grace. What would you give such a person if you were God? Listen to what Brother Matson reads here. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Anybody, is there anybody here that can say it any better than that? Because I can't. 
I'm not going to let somebody that comes with that attitude before me be filled with a devil. Give him a scorpion, a serpent, or turn him away. If you and your human love can be that understanding, how much more can God? Last verse, one more time. If you then. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? He wants to fill everybody. He's no respecter of persons, religions, color, creed, country, any of that. It's happening everywhere, folks, to those who are willing to change and no longer be in control. It happens. Now, while I'm here, I'm going to give you this before I close today. There are three manifestations of speaking in tongues in the scripture. I don't have the time to read all of the scriptures that I could about this particular subject, but I will show you the three manifestations. The first manifestation of speaking in other tongues is obviously receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. You can read about it in Acts chapter two, eight, 10, and 19. The pattern is exactly the same in every case. The second manifestation of speaking in other tongues is that it is one of the nine gifts of the Spirit. After the book of Acts, we begin the epistles, beginning with the book of Romans. This is instruction to believers. It is not written to unbelievers. Don't go to the mailbox. It's not your mail. If you have not been born of the water and spirit, if you've not repented, it's not your mail. Amen. But if you have, then these gifts are available to the body of Christ for the edification of the entire body, both the believers and the unbelievers. And I'm going to prove it to you scripturally here. Gifts of the Spirit. Uh, Brother Matson, would you begin reading? But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But all these things worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Good. So these nine gifts are to be used in the body of Christ. And everybody is to have at least one, but can have several, as God distributes the gifts. You don't earn the gifts. It does not say that the person that you is used in the gifts is perfect. I'm going to make some valid points here because I think I know how the devil works. That person should not be used in that gift. I know an imperfection in their life. That's not for you to judge or for you to say because these gifts are being used to edify the entire body. You rather should seek after the gift yourself. Amen. 
You know, it's easier to be an armchair quarterback than it is to be a real quarterback and face some obstacles. Do not be an armchair quarterback. Don't judge how these gifts are used or whom is being used. Ask God to use you. God, I'm willing to be used in any of these gifts. Somebody said amen. Amen. It benefits the entire body. Now, the, the scripture also indicates, if you've never been here before, let me say this to you. You're going to experience that there are some gifts that are more obvious than others. For instance, the scripture talks about speaking in uh, tongues as one of the nine gifts, okay? That will be the most obvious one. A person may stand up or remain seated and at an appropriate time begin speaking in a language that they do not know. That may be followed by another person or up to a third person in language that they did not know. One will interpret, only one. This is an interpretation, not a translation. So if a person stands up and speaks in tongues and you time him, 20 seconds that guy spoke in tongues. Somebody else stands up, 15, oh, they're off. And one interprets and he interprets in 10 seconds, that can't be of God. Interpretation, not translation. Human element involved in the gifts of the Spirit. Somebody said amen. Amen. Oh, he stumbled over a word. He must not have been anointed. You're being too picky. I remember when I first came to a Pentecostal church. I mean, this this was one of the things that set me back. I can remember these things. It's amazing at 67 the things I can't remember, and yet there are other things that I can't forget. But I remember... I remember this big drill sergeant, his last name was Lockwood, had a very deep voice. And I remember this lady, she was a prophetess, and she would stand up, usually when the preacher was done preaching, and a lot of times she'd bring in a message in tongues, and, and then somebody else would also speak in tongues for a few moments, and then this big drill sergeant, he'd speak out this deep voice, and it sounded like God himself, you know. And I thought to myself, how how do they do that? Do they set their watch and say, when Brother Tamil gets out of the pulpit, in 15 seconds, you're up. (laughs) Then you, and you, and then one interpretation. You got that? Do they meet before service and plan this stuff out? I thought that. I had those thoughts. Until one day, God showed me something. Right in the middle of the service, this woman stands up. Everybody else is seated. She is the only one standing. I'm going, what is this? And there was dead silence for several seconds. And then all of a sudden, somebody else brought in a message in tongues, followed by a second and she had the interpretation. She knew 
that God was gonna bring in a message in tongues and she had the interpretation before the message was brought in. And God said, do you still choose not to believe? See, if you don't wanna believe, well, I'm sure you'll find some excuse to justify your actions. But I would rather say, God, I want that. I'd like to be the one that brings in a message in tongues or, or an interpretation. I'd like to be a prophet. I'd like to be used of God. But you know why we don't? Because we don't control and we're afraid of change and we might mess up. And so we judge everybody else that does wrong. Pray that God uses you. You know, one of the, I, I, I know I'm on a tangent now, I'm off my notes, I'll try and find my way back, okay? Let me tell you, one of, there's another reason I come to church. Not so that I can get something. Maybe I got something I could give. Do you ever consider that? I remember one day, it was where Brother Zelensky's sitting right now. I was standing next to my wife. And God said, look to your left. And I looked, and it wasn't Brother Zelensky. It was someone else was standing there. And the Lord said, I have a message I want you to give him. Yes, sir. That's what I always say. I'm not afraid to make mistakes, and I make plenty of them. But I said, yes, sir. So I started making, I did not have the message. Most of you would wait for the message before you take a step. But I've learned to be more bold, because... I've let God down so many times that I've made some promises that I'm not going to back off on. Remember the first time God wanted to use you in the interpretation of a message and you were afraid to speak and you felt bad because you didn't take a step of faith? And you said to God, next time, Lord, you give me that opportunity, I'll seize it. Well, that's how I've learned. So I didn't have the message and I'm on my way over. And I'm getting real close. Now I'm getting nervous because I got nothing, man. I got nothing to say to this guy. So now I'm standing right next to him. He's got these big eyes like, oh boy, here comes the preacher. (laughs) What is he going to say to me? Now I'm trying to buy time because I still got nothing. So I put my arm around him, you know. I got nothing. I never did get anything. And then I said to him, so I figured, well, I might as well leave. I said, did you get the message, brother? And he said, loud and clear. The message was that his pastor loved him. And Jesus loved him. And that's what he needed at that particular moment. So simple. Just one word of encouragement. Just a little bit of help for somebody else. That's one of the reasons you should be in the house of God, faithfully. Because God may want to use you in these gifts of the Spirit or or a word of encouragement or give somebody a helping hand. Somebody said amen. Amen. So this, I hope that answers a few of your questions on the gift of tongues versus the receiving of the Holy Ghost. But the third manifestation of tongues is in 1 Corinthians 14. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. 
I will sing with the Spirit, and I'll, I will sing with the understanding also. So, you, just as you sing with your human understanding in a worship service, you can sing in the Spirit. That's what the Scripture says. Just as you pray with your understanding, you can pray in the Spirit in a language you have not learned. Why would you do that? Here's the answer, Romans chapter 8, 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Wow. Have you ever woke up in the middle of the night and wondered why you were up? And thought, God, is there somebody you want me to pray for? Is there something I I need to talk over with you? Maybe God is prompting you to intercede in the spirit for things you know nothing, nothing about. And you may never know anything about. But somebody may be up and they may be in trouble and God tapped your shoulder to wake you up to pray in the spirit and never even revealed their name or their problem to you. But you interceded because you were obedient to God. Here's where I'm going to stop today. The prosecution always gets to go first in a trial. And Satan has been prosecuting you your whole life. But when the prosecution is finished, the judge will say, is the defense ready? That means now it's your turn. And if you say, yes, your honor, he will then say to you, you may call your first witness. And here's what I want you to think about. Your Honor, I call the Word of God. Amen. I declare the words that Jesus said and required of me. I trust that my witness will be heard and that I have been faithful to obey what that witness asked of my life. That's my first witness. Your Honor, My second witness, I call the waters of baptism. I call the day that I was immersed in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of my sins. Your Honor, I call the witness of the Holy Spirit who filled me as I spoke in other tongues, as the Spirit gave the utterance. Your Honor, I call Peter and the rest of the apostles and their doctrine into this court this day. I have fulfilled and obeyed what I was instructed to do according to the scripture. Your Honor, I would like my pastor to be called now and for him to be able to speak on my behalf and the family of God, which has witnessed my faithfulness in trials and in tribulations prayed for me as I prayed for them. And finally, Your Honor, the defense rests. 
John, or excuse me, John, would you read Matthew chapter 7, verse 24? Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Matthew 25, 21. Would you stand with me, please? His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Is that what you want the judge to say? That's what I want to hear. Praise God. Praise God. The defense rests. And then these words, not guilty. I want to hear that. Not guilty. Don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Not aware of any of the accusations, nor have they been proven. The witnesses on the part of the prosecution have not agreed. You have failed to promote your case. Sir, you are free to go enter into the joy of the Lord. I hope you've got at least three witnesses that can back you up. Jesus, I pray today for every person here that we would take the time that we spend in the house of God seriously, that we would be aware of eternal rewards or eternal consequences. I pray, Lord, that this would be an evangelistic church, that it would be a church that cares about the people that are outside of these doors, people that have yet to have been filled or thrilled by your spirit, people that know not of your mercy and your grace, your love, your faithfulness, and the honoring of the promises that you made. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.